0: could go take an avalanche course but a lot of those folks are not really ready for that and that's part of why blue word exists is to bridge the gap between someone who's curious about backcountry skiing and uh wanting to make that investment of time money etc into an avalanche course right like how do we how do we better prepare people so that when they go into their avalanche course, they are learning about avalanches and avalanche science and, and not learning about how to put on their skins or how to layer or what to put in their bag.
1: Hello, everyone. Hope you're all doing well. This is the 22nd episode of the Out and Back podcast presented by Gaia GPS. As always, I'm your host, Shanti. Glad to have you back with us. Today, for the first time in a month, we're going to take a step away from focusing on avalanches and all the things that can go wrong in the backcountry, if you're not careful. And we're going to focus on a different backcountry skiing subject that's less scary, but is also really super cool. Today, as you heard from that opening quote, Mary and I are sitting down with Eric Lambert, who's one of the co-founders of Bluebird Backcountry Ski Area. The reason we're talking with Eric is that Bluebird is a new type of ski area. Or should I say, it's a new concept for ski areas. I'm not going to go too far into the details before we actually start talking with Eric, because we don't like leaking spoilers. And after Game of Thrones, I've had enough with spoilers. Anyway, all I'm going to say about Bluebird Backcountry, and I'm also saying this because I realize we have an episode description, and you may have read that description to get the gist of it, is that Bluebird is a ski area that doesn't have lifts. Why? How? Who? What? When? Where? Why? Well, we're going to get into all of that with Eric today, so stick around for it, and you might just have figured out a place you're going to want to hit up this year for skiing. But first, before we chatted up with Eric and learn all about Bluebird, I got to give you all a quick reminder about Gaia GPS. Since you're listening to this podcast, yes, I'm talking directly to you, my beautiful, wonderful out-and-back listener, I wanted to let you know that Gaia GPS is providing a super special secret Discount to everyone who's a listener of Out and Back. Right now, if you go to GaiaGPS.com slash podcast, you can get up to 50% off on a Gaia GPS membership. And if you're doing backcountry skiing this winter, then dude, you're going to need Gaia GPS. Gaia just added in the last few weeks a new Snow Stations Daily Layer, added just two weeks ago. What does that mean? Well, my friend, it means that Gaia taps into Snowtel weather stations and remote backcountry zones around the west, letting you know just how much snow has fallen in the last 24 hours. And that's not all, it also gives snow density measurements, so you can tell if you're about to go out into some of that light Wasatch powder or if you're going into wet, heavy Sierra cement. And this is on top of the hundreds of other map players that you get as part of having a Gaia GPS membership. Oh yeah, and there's this little catch that if you go to Bluebird Backcountry this winter, you'll get a free Gaia GPS membership to go along with your ski pass. Just a little thing I thought we'd mention. But if you can't make it to Bluebird, don't fret, my friends. You can still get that sweet discount by going to GaiaGPS.com podcast. So check it out and save a little money in your pocket so you can have that extra beer and slice after you're done on the slopes. All right, everyone. Let's talk with Eric. And let's learn a little bit about Bluebird Backcountry. Joining us today, Eric Lambert from Bluebird Backcountry. Thanks for joining us, Eric. Ah, oh, It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. I want to start out by asking probably the most important question that every other question is going to follow from. What exactly is Bluebird Backcountry Ski Area? Yeah, we're
0: a little (laughs) bit different than everybody else. Um, We are a small ski area that has zero chairlifts. And the whole concept is that we take the best from ski areas, we take the best from guide services, and we take the best from the true backcountry and create an environment that's super welcoming, super accessible, uh, hyper-educational, and social. And it's a place where people can come and try backcountry skiing. It's a place where people can learn and develop their skills and practice them. And it's a place where people can just come and have an awesome time and get a backcountry experience, but with the amenities and comforts of a ski area.
2: So kind of a backcountry ski area, a ski area without lifts. Um, Is there any other kind of ski area out there like this, or is this the first of its kind? Mm
0: -hmm. There are a lot of places doing... Uh, little slices of what we are doing. But we're the only place we know of that puts all of those amenities in one place and is really designed around learning and adventure and um, takes the whole avalanche education program and backcountry education and um, ski patrol and the comforts of food and warming huts and all those things and puts them all into one place.
2: And so where did this idea come from?
0: Huh. Yeah, well, <laughs> my business partner, Jeff, took his brother out skiing one day, backcountry skiing for the first time, and his brother had this amazing day and got like a little blister, but basically the short version of the story is he had this awesome day and was like, why doesn't everyone do this, and can I just buy backcountry skis and use them in bounds and out of bounds, and Jeff's like, well yeah, you might want to like get some training and education first, but, but totally like this, you could totally do that. And that is a good question. Why doesn't everybody do this? And, you know, backcountry skiing is really enriched both of our lives and we're people who want to share that. And we want to figure out how to take these, uh, barriers to entry that are really high around backcountry skiing and try to knock those down a bit and make it, something that can be shared more easily in a relatively safe, comfortable environment that's more conducive to learning.
1: What are the main uh, barriers to entry that you find with backcountry skiing as opposed to like resort skiing?
0: Well, let's just back up a minute. A lot of outdoor sports are intimidating and a bit elitist, right? And it's maybe hard if you don't know someone already who can help you get started. Um, Oftentimes, it, it's hard to know how to begin or what gear to use or how to dress or where to go and backcountry skiing and rock climbing and other dangerous sports that have these these real challenges make that even more difficult to uh, to get started because you not only need to know where to go and what to wear but there's expensive equipment there's a bunch of education, and it's not just like you check the box and get the education. You need to practice that. You need to know how to use that and to really develop your competence in that out of bounds area before uh, you're putting yourself and others at risk. And so, if you don't have that mentor to show you all that, show you what gear to buy, show you how to use it, show you where to go, and then help you practice and learn in that environment on snow. Um. then there's no good way to learn. Everything's dangerous or expensive or both. So uh, we believe that it doesn't have to be that way. And if we can create an environment that allows people to ease in and then gives them a, a more comfortable place to go, that will improve learning and actually allow people to get more time behind the wheel on their skins, right? Like to get more time... Um, out in that actual environment, so that they can practice and, and develop good habits and um, take that learning, then into the out of bounds more confidently.
1: So with this resort, then that means it seems like we're catering to people of all skills at uh, at Bluebird where you're going to have first timers, maybe even never ever's doing backcountry skiing, like, are they part of the audience or like, should people who have at least a little bit of experience be coming here? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, we recommend that people
0: are uh, a blue skier inbounds before they come and try Bluebird. But people of all ski levels, people of all backcountry uh, knowledge levels, people of all avalanche education levels, people of all ages, everybody comes to Bluebird, <laughs> all right? Like, Last year, we had about eleven hundred guests. Forty percent of them had never tried backcountry skiing before, uh, so that, in and of itself, tells you a lot about like um, the uh, our ability to develop like a welcoming and friendly place for people who are who are curious about backcountry skiing. And then another thirty-five percent of folks are early in their backcountry development, right? They may have gone on a hut trip, but never gone again or they might have gone out with a friend a couple times but then that friend moved away they may have taken an avalanche course but then been scared to go out without knowing exactly um how to apply all that knowledge in the true backcountry so uh we have a lot of people who are either beginning their journey with the backcountry or who have started their journey and are just looking for a place to kind of continue to build that skill set.
2: Eric, where is Bluebird Backcountry?
0: Yeah, we are located right on the Continental Divide. We're between Kremling and Steamboat Springs, Colorado. So about 30 minutes from each of those towns. And we, yeah, we moved mountains, like we moved um, from one mountain to the next on the same property. And that's going to be, uh, like filled with challenges and filled with like opportunities for us. And we're really excited for the season.
2: Okay. And, um, you mentioned last year, so were you in full swing last year?
0: Kind of. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I was saying to someone earlier today, like it's either this, you know, this 2021 season is either our first year or our third year, depending on how you count. (laughs) okay explain yeah in 2018 we put out a survey just seeing if people like this idea of having kind of a backcountry light place to go and it was super positive um and a bunch of people who responded to that survey actually without us even asking the question they said how do i volunteer how do i help you build this thing and so that group kind of gathered in 2018 to figure out, okay, what's the next step here? The next step was to do a prototype on snow. And that prototype was to see, you know, is there going to be demand? Can we actually pull this off? How do we start learning what's necessary to, to actually do this? Neither of us have a ski area operating background or anything. And so in 2019, we did six days of prototypes. Some of them were inbounds after the ski area had closed at Winter Park. And some of them were out of bounds with, with actual guides, mountain guides. And we learned a ton that year. But the main thing that we learned was that people loved it and we should do it again. And And we decided for 2020 to do a little mini season where we actually took the full, all the elements of the concept like Having some food, having a base area, having a warming hut, having uh, a ski patrol, having a rental fleet, having lessons. We took all those things and we um, made it happen on our own piece of property to see if, again, like the demand was there. Can we pull it off? How do we continue to learn and grow and develop the concept? And that, that's what we did this spring for 14 days
2: and how did it turn
0: out yeah no it was amazing (laughs) so as I mentioned we had about 1100 people the satisfaction was through the roof people were just so excited to try this and learn and people had a great day like there was uh, a 10 year old kid who did about 3500 vertical feet on his very first day backcountry skiing
2: that's solid uh, (laughs) and yeah
0: like all the way up to people in their seventies, just like going out and having a fun tour. Like people had a blast and um, we, you know, we took that and have gone big this year to blow that out into a full season on a bigger mountain with more terrain, with a lot more varied terrain. So we have steeper stuff, we have mellower stuff and we're, really going to have a lot more educational offerings including avalanche courses this year we're going to have camping we're going to have um more food options and that sort of thing so we're just like the dream is starting to truly arrive and we've already sold all of our season passes for the year people are excited about it and we're excited to host them
1: here's something I want to know because I'm really fascinated to know about this growth because I'm personally a a business owner myself, a small business, one person operation, but to see how people grow their businesses, their ideas over time, is just fascinating to me. So one of the first questions I want to ask about how your development got from just being an idea on a piece of paper to where we are now. uh, The first one I want to know is how did you go about selecting your locations? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, it's great. So
0: This is the crux, right? Like ski areas require uh, great terrain, great snow, and ideally access to a lot of people who love skiing. And that is really challenging to find, right? Like either you need, in Colorado especially, it's basically all forest service, um, you know, property, and most scarias in Colorado are on Forest Service land. And most of the good places that you could do something like this are on Forest Service land. The process to get uh, a full blown skieria permit is incredibly daunting, expensive, and time consuming. And uh, they haven't given one out in about 40 years.
1: Wow. That's to my right. knowledge,
0: the last area permit that was given out was Beaver Creek. And that's not just in Colorado, that's in the country.
1: Right. So
0: uh, somebody correct me if I'm wrong on that. Like, I would love to know if one's been given out since then. Yeah, Silverton's on BLM land, not Forest Service. And uh, that's the best of my knowledge on that. So I'm literally looking this up online right now to see find <laughs> <it> out.
2: <laughs> I can't think of any new resorts on Forest Service property, so myself. So I think you're probably right. Um, so you went for private land,
0: exactly. So to be able to get this off the ground a little faster and a little leaner, we did a systematic search of private parcels and just networked as best we could to figure out how to how to find this property. And ultimately it came down to like a a family connection through a volunteer. So it's really about luck in our case and, you know, trying to spread the word about the concept as best we could.
2: Eric, what does the mountain look like?
0: Oh yeah. So we're on Bear Mountain, which is, it doesn't seem like much from the road, but we've got about 1200 vertical feet we have about 1,200 acres of property that's inbounds and avalanche evaluated with our ski patrol. And the bulk of that is um, Aspen skiing and some coniferous stuff as well. So we are actually getting access to the property tomorrow and we're going to start uh, figuring out exactly what we need to to do to get all of that ready but there's a ton of skiing just from scouting there last year in the summer there's a ton of open areas there's a ton of like lightly treed skiing there's meadow skipping there's uh kind of your classic uh 30 degree slopes there's steeper stuff there's even some couars that may be open sometimes but probably not all the time and um yeah the, the mountain's pretty tucked away last year we had a much more prominent mountain uh but the the access point kind of forced us to have west facing terrain and this year we're going to have mostly north and east and so it's going to hold the snow better it's right at the mouth of rabbit ears pass so it's, it gets all the rabbit ears storm snow and we we're very very excited about the terrain. And um, I think our guests are gonna find it even more appealing them than, than what they had last year.
2: Nice. I feel like when I look at a picture of it, there is kind of like this prominent ridge in the background, um, and is that where the expert terrain is? I feel like there were some pretty pretty good shoots there at the top.
0: Yeah, so we, you know, we really focus on that patrolled inbounds area because that's what makes Bluebird different than anywhere else is is that we have a ski patrol, but no chairlifts. And within that area, yeah, there are, like I was saying, some uh, steep zones and cuars. And then there's there's even more of that, like, out of bounds where we require you to go with a guide. Or for avalanche education, we'll take folks out there as well. Um, there's actually an entire other mountain <laughs> called Diamond Mountain that is in the out of bounds zone that will require uh you to have a bluebird guide um but yeah there's there's a huge variety of of terrain and uh there's something for everybody what's your
1: total uh, vertical of it
0: it's uh 1200 feet we our base is at 8400 or so and our summit's at around 9600 and the summit's actually in balance, So there's going to be amazing views from up there.
2: Oh, beautiful. So skin tracks up, will you have them marked or will they be cut in or just going to let guests, you know, figure out which way to go up?
0: Yeah. I mean, um, if somebody wants to put in their own skin track, go for it. But there's going to be seven awesome skin tracks that are laid in. And that's part of what we provide is that you don't have to break trail. So we're, we have volunteers going out every morning, breaking Breaking the trail if there's no new snow. And um uh yeah, we we'll have we're working on the trail map right now. Uh it's really fun project. And the last year I don't think anyone put in their own skin track. Um so I mean I guess that we'll see. We'll see what people want to do. And maybe there's a place we
1: should have another skin track. We'll find out. Um it's one big grand experiment, this whole project. Do you know what the breakdowns going to be of like the level terrain, how much of it is green, how much is going to be blue, black, double black? You know, everything's ungroomed, by the way. So we don't have groomers.
0: Part of the value of coming to Bluebird is learning how to ski off piste and like enjoy some of the challenge of uh, powder skiing if you've never done that or to figure out how to get better at variable conditions too, right? And so um, just looking at it now, we've got, 15% green 35% blue 40% black and 10% uh double black slash extreme um the the reality of that though is that a lot of it is treed and so uh a lot of that is based on kind of slope angles and things but it, it may be a little more challenging than what folks are used to on a groomer
2: yeah just because of conditions right skiing on ungroomed Slopes, you've got variable conditions. you could have powder, you could have crud, you could have <laughs> crusty ice, whatever
0: exactly. yep.
2: so when you mention um avalanche safety and education programs, what are you gonna offer on that that front?
0: Yeah, like this is this is so awesome for me. I'm really passionate about the educational side. I'm not a guide or an instructor myself, but I I'm someone who needed this when I was starting to backcountry ski. And, you know, what we did last year was great, but it was not enough, right? We only had this mini season. And so we offered an intro course. And then people took the course and they're like, what do I do now? And we're like, well, (laughs) we'll have more for you next year. You know, you could go take an avalanche course, but a lot of those folks are not really ready for that. And that's part of why Bluebird exists is to bridge the gap between someone who's curious about backcountry skiing and uh, wanting to make that investment of time, money, et cetera, into an avalanche course, right? Like how do we how do we better prepare people so that when they go into their avalanche course, they are learning about avalanches and avalanche science and and not learning about how to put on their skins or how to layer or what to put in their bag. Like, or how to move on snow, right? And so we have developed this three step course, Backcountry One, Two, and Three, that are predecessor courses to an Avalanche One or an ARI One. And we're an ARI provider. So uh, those are going to, you know, like our Backcountry One is what we did for an intro course last year. It's a half day, it's really designed to get you started give you some basic knowledge, do a quick lap with a transition and give you a sense of your equipment and etiquette, etc. cetera. Um, Backcountry 2 is a full day course where it's a lot more about the movement. It's about uh, really being out there and having an experiential day of doing a couple laps and uh, really understanding how to be efficient with transitions and, and how to travel. And then Backcountry 3... Is circles back on all those skills and also really helps you understand what are you going to be getting into with an avalanche course. How do you, how can you be mentally prepared and better understand like what you're gonna what you can expect there. And uh, it, it'll start to get into some of the skills on steeper terrain. We really believe people should not only know how to use their gear but be pretty decent. Um, off-piece skiers before they're taking an avalanche course and getting themselves into avalanche terrain.
2: Mm -hmm. And are you going to have some maybe women specific courses or I kind of saw that on your website?
0: Yeah. So, you know, after those backcountry one, two, and three, which are really designed for kind of the beginner or the intermediate person, who's just kind of getting, getting started, um, we will have airy courses. So, an avalanche one avalanche two and an avi rescue class and one of the things we're excited to try out this year is to have a women specific avi one class and we'll probably experiment with some additional like women specific things like a lot of our guests um, are women and excited to kind of learn and um, like the more we can do to put people who are like-minded together, the better the learning experience often.
2: Excellent. So all the way from never, ever back country, all the way through avalanche to, um, instruction at your resort. Wow. That's, that's pretty comprehensive. Um, do you actually have do like ski instruction? Like, do you have ski instructors there?
0: Yeah, great question. So that's something we've debated quite a bit. Um, uh, we may do that in the future we are not doing it in a formal way but what we are doing this year is every day that we're open we will have either a clinic or we will have what we're calling ski with a mentor and what this allows for is you know you can take those lessons and you can take those avalanche courses but what really matters um, is all the glue in between all those things, and for uh, for someone who takes a lesson and then wants to like practice those skills, or for somebody who knows that they're they like they've got their transitions down, but they really need more time just skiing off piste, they can go into these ski with a mentor days and. Just there will be a Bluebird instructor who's just like, cool, we're going to do some laps. And whatever those folks want to work on, whatever they want to ask, they can ask in this like really welcoming environment that's designed for them to be able to ask these things. And it's a way to instead of, you know, being fed information in a course or in a lesson that you get to be the uh, you get to decide what you work on. You get to ask the questions you get to learn in a way that's more of a conversation than um, than just like a, a lesson would be. So we're excited to try that out and see how many people are interested in the mentorship components and in some of these specific clinics. And some of those clinics may be about skiing off piste as well.
1: Is there any precautions that are being taken to keep everything safe from avalanches? Like, are you going to be doing controlled explosions or anything like that? Great question.
0: And this is, uh, this is super important, right? Like we are offering an inbounds backcountry experience. That is an oxymoron. We understand that. (laughs) Um, and, uh, what that means is that we have a ski patrol. That ski patrol is evaluating the terrain, the snow, they're paying attention, Uh, They're using guiding techniques like ski cutting and compaction uh, like you'd see at a ski area. We have hired some of the best ski patrollers in the country um, to be able to uh, mitigate the risks um, just like any other ski area would. And we, we offer the same reasonable expectation of safety that going to any ski area would offer. We do not use explosives. Um, there's a bunch of reasons why, but we do not need to use explosives. And part of what we do is to open and close things more conservatively than a skier would. So, uh, you know, our two of our patrollers are have been patrolling since the 80s. They've worked together for decades, and they're highly respected. Um, Pat, our lead patroller started Silverton snow safety program and he ran patrol. He was the lead patroller for Telluride for many years. So, uh, these guys are crack ski patrollers and we're very lucky to have them.
2: And, and so with that, are you requiring all your guests to have, um, at least the basic avalanche safety gear when they come on the mountain?
0: Yeah, we do request that, Uh, and we mandate that all guests have beacon shovel probe and then it's on, we have a beacon checker at the gate. And um, one thing that's different about us is that we actually have a sign in and sign out process on the mountain. So we limit our guests to 200 a day and we literally will check you in when you enter the mountain and that, you know, we don't have chairlifts. So sweeping is uh, not really something that we can do like a traditional ski area would. So this is our method for, ensuring that everybody's off the mountain safely. Um, and yeah, part of the reason we require beacon shovel probe is is not that we expect that they'll need it um, in bounds because we are doing this avi evaluation and we have ski patrol there, but it's to instill good habits. And if part of you know what, first of all, everyone should be carrying that in the backcountry and they should know how to use it. Um, We have a beacon park so people can practice and learn how to use their beacons, even if they're not in formal instruction. And then on top of that, uh, we believe that skiing with a pack is just part of the deal, right? Like, that's something you need to get used to. And it's important that people have water, that they have food, Um, and we will be selling those things on site. But, you know, we want to give people a reasonable sense of what it's actually like to be skiing out of bounds and skiing with a pack is something that you'll be doing every day that you're out of bounds.
2: So maybe the goal of Bluebird Backcountry is to get people started, get them in the right habits, and eventually they'll fly out on their own outside the resort. Is that right?
0: Absolutely. You know, we have two kinds of guests. We have guests who are interested in, in learning and developing those skills in order to use Bluebird as a stepping stone to go out of bounds and do so properly, and then we have guests who are just like <laughs> Bluebird's more fun. I want a bathroom. I want food. I want a social scene. I want these things that I get at a ski area, but that I don't get in the true backcountry. And you know, our our best analogy is like a climbing gym, right? So if Uh, You know, we're solving for all the same things that a climbing gym solves for improving access and fitness, improving education, creating a social center, like, these are the same things that we care about with backcountry skiing. And uh, there's a lot of people who just go to the gym. And there's a lot of people who go to the gym and like to climb outside. And so, uh, we believe that as a kind of an educational center that we should be serving um, both of those audiences and meeting people where they're at, doing so in a really welcoming and friendly way, and then helping people advance in the ways that they want to. But if, if part of what they're looking for is to have a more comfortable place or a place where they ha- are, t- are able to take less risk, but have a similar experience, or if they're looking for a place that's just more fun and social, and we have a really fun grassroots scene up there, um, they can get that at Bluebird. And what we're doing is different than anything else that's out there in the ski world today. So um, I think some people will just choose Bluebird as, as the place they want to go.
2: Sounds like a lot of fun. I'm trying to envision the lodge. What do you, do you have a lodge out there?
1: Oh yeah. That was the same question I was going to ask. I was going to say as someone who's domestic, who's a little more domesticated. I'm like, tell me about the lodges. What am I going to see in the lodges?
2: And what kind of beer do you have? (laughs) So yeah, we
0: have, um, you know, uh, we are something that's really cool about what we're doing is that at least right now we're super leave no trace. You can go check out our Instagram from last spring to see, uh, our, <laughs> where our base area lodge was. And, and then two months later, what it looks like, it's just a grassy field. And so we have a weather port structure, which is basically a temporary building. It's super nice. Like we bought it new. It's a 45 by 30 foot structure. So it's really big. Um, that's where the rentals are based. It's where you can check in and get your pass. It's where you can get some food. Um, we have just portable toilets outside. Uh, and yeah, it's like it's the center of uh, of the base area. And, you know, there's not too many areas where you can just, you know, pull up right next to the lodge and the slopes and <laughs> put your boots on. So we we love the little vibe we have there and then we have two warming huts that are up on the mountain as well. So this year uh little sneak peek we're going to have these like cool white geodesic domes up there. And yes, that'll um, be fun. Yeah, like they're going to be great for marketing photos, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, they're going to be fun places to hang out up there as well. And obviously like we're taking covid really seriously and we'll have like restrictions on how many people can be inside at any given time. But it'll be great for people to warm up their toes if they need to, or to get a hot chocolate or whatever they need.
2: So you mentioned rental gear. What kind of rental gear do you offer?
0: Yeah, we have one of the bigger backcountry rental fleets in the country. We bought all of it new last year, so it's it's super great stuff. We're using Black Diamond skis. We have about we'll have about a hundred pairs of skis and about a hundred pairs of boots. Um, up there, we have we'll have about 30 or 40 split boards, and uh, from Weston, like all these folks have been great partners with us. And then we rent packs that have beacon shovel probe as well. So, um, we have the full kit for, for everybody. We definitely recommend reserving things online in advance, partly because we have a, a user cap every day, 200 people, and partly because even though we have a ton of equipment, like we have a lot of guests who do rent equipment and have loved it. So we just want to make sure that you can reserve it. Um, and we, so we definitely recommend reserving that stuff in advance.
1: Do you have gear that you use for
0: navigation? So yeah, we are, you know, we're going to have, you know, your classic trail map and we're having fun building that right now. But a big part of backcountry travel is being able to orient yourself and know where you're going and to plan a trip and then to make sure that you're on the right track. So um, we're really excited to partner with Gaia this year and to uh, offer all of our guests, whether you have a season pass or a day pass, you'll have a Gaia GPS um, membership. And there will be a digital map of Bluebird available to our guests. and. we're really excited about that. Number one, like to be able to just give people a little more confidence about where they are. Uh, and number two, because map, like a digital map is an essential tool. It's, you know, every guide, every everyone who knows anything about backcountry travel knows that you want to have a paper map and you want to have a digital map. And you there's a lot to do to prepare and plan for a day out. So uh maps are maps are an essential part of the kit and um we're excited to to be partnering with with Gaia.
2: Oh and and so are we. We're excited to be the official map of Bluebird Backcountry this year. So people will be able to actually download a folder with uh the Bluebird Backcountry area.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we're going to build it out so that everybody's oriented and that people know where the different skin tracks are and where they are in relation to them and where the different, um, downhill zones are and what the difficulties
1: of those zones are. Um, it's going to be great. This is a genuine question. It really is. Why, why did you choose Gaia for the navigation?
0: I've been using Gaia for geez, 10 years. Um, I've, you know, I've, uh, really enjoyed it. And, you know, there's there's a there's a ton of power in there, right? like uh, the the ability to see the slope angles, the ability to plan out a track in advance and then to follow that track, the ability to record a track as you're going. Um, I even I got a special treat from a friend once that has all of the tenth mountain division huts like all the tracks in and out of the huts are like marked and so i can just go into my account and know that where if i'm going into a 10th mountain hut i already have the track like mapped out so you know i like a sense of adventure but i also want to have a tool that i can rely on if the adventure goes sideways um and i've been able to to rely on gaia for that
2: that's great. Um you could plan a trip. You use a you know, we also have that avalanche forecast layer that you can use to lay on top of your map and see what the avalanche centers are forecasting for that day. I'm not sure if if your area would be on that or not. Do you know?
0: Uh yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll be in the uh Steamboat zone for the CICE and um we yeah, we'll, we're we're right in there. Um, we're kind of on the border with the, the next region down, which makes forecasting a little bit trickier, but we're going to kind of have our own little, you know, data set and forecasting that's happening on site. And that will be updated on our website. We, uh, always will recommend checking the forecast every day, even though we have this boundary, even though we have the ski patrol, we again are trying to create good habits and we highly recommend that people are checking the avi forecast not even just on the days that they're going out but on every day like really stoked on the CIC pledge recently that's been going around and they have a membership program now and i'm a member so you know i think everyone should be supporting the good work that's being done by the forecasters and by the avalanche centers
2: you mentioned uh, visitor limitations earlier. Is that for COVID or is it just for the control of your resort? How many people are allowed per day at your resort?
0: Yeah, so we we cap it at 200 people per day. There's a couple reasons for this. One of them is that we want to preserve a backcountry type of experience. We have plenty of parking. More than 200 people can park there and so it's not about that it's about making sure that folks uh, aren't just having a resort experience and having a tracked out experience that's not what we're here for Um, part of it is that there are some uh, (laughs) we need to put in a turning lane next year if we're going to up our cap (laughs) so there's a logistical reason for that that we're not ready to kind of invest in And then there's, um, yeah, obviously with COVID, we are going to feel a lot more comfortable if we have, uh, a limit on our guests. And so I would say like 80% of this has to do with the experience. Um, and the other 20% has to do with logistics and social distancing, though we're pretty well set up, right? Like, I think part of the reason our season passes have sold out is because people are a little worried about the reservation systems with other ski areas and how are they going to be able to, you know, do they want to be on a gondola or a chairlift or in a cafeteria with a bunch of other people? And Bluebird just naturally offers uh, an easier way to kind of be able to kind of set off on the skin track on your own or with a small group and to get away from the crowds.
2: And so can you make a reservation so you don't get skunked and drive all the way out there and then go, oh. "Oh."
0: (laughs) Yeah, so we we are recommending people make reservations. Our reservation system will be up around Thanksgiving, maybe a little after that. But uh, we are highly recommending people book that um, so they don't get skunked. So what's the season going to be running from then? Yeah, like our expected opening date is christmas eve and then we're running through end of march ish so right now we've got the 28th of march is our expected closing day and we don't have snowmakers, so mother nature can do us a few favors maybe we'll even open early um or stay open a little later
2: so eric you got to tell us what's the ticket going to set us back a day oh. ticket?
0: <laughs> yeah yeah so a day Day pass is $50. That gets you access to the inbound zone and um, access to all the amenities and things. And then there are going to be packages for folks who are looking for rentals and lessons and things like that. Um, there's find somebody who already has a season pass. You might be able to get a free day from them or a discount from them. And uh, we'll be working with some of the local gear shops and things to provide some discounts to to customers who are um, kind of in the scene.
1: Man, we wish you the best of luck with it. This sounds so unique and so exciting. This is really cool. Really eager to hear all about it.
2: It'll be fun to watch it take off. I think it's going to be wildly successful.
1: We are having a ton of fun with it.
0: It's a lot of elbow grease. We're learning a lot. And a big part of our approach is to take all those learnings and keep making it better we do a lot to listen to our guests and to kind of explore and experiment and we try to make it better every day. And like a big part of what we care about is just like having a big friendly face on the mountain for, um, for people to, uh, just know that they're in a place where they can kind of come and experiment and try on their own as well. So, uh, I always feel the most reward when I see a happy guest having kind of the best day of their winter. We offered a lot of that last year and I think there's going to be a whole lot more of it again. So we hope that people will uh, come on out and see what we're doing. Like I said, it's like pretty different than anything else that's out there. And we, uh, we had a lot of um, happy, happy guests last year and, Excited to see what we can do with some of the new offerings as well.
2: Eric, tell us a little bit about how you got started backcountry skiing.
0: I needed a bluebird is what I needed. Um, (laughs) Of course. (laughs) I think a lot of people need a bluebird, right, when they're getting started. And uh, I started in college. My first day is kind of an interesting story. The short version is... I had no idea what I was doing. I had no training. My buddy told me to buy these skis, so I bought them. And then he took me out. And we went to a place on Mount Washington in New Hampshire called the Gulf of Slides. Which nice. you'd, you'd think I'd be a little maybe cognizant that uh, maybe I shouldn't be there. Um,
2: yeah. Are you guys even still friends?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. I was talking <laughs> to my buddy the other day, actually. Okay. Um, but we literally skinned over two huge slide past that had knocked out a bunch of trees. Like I literally was skinning over a bunch of down trees and didn't even think anything of it. Um, so that just tells you like how unaware you can be even when it's just because you don't know, like if you don't know what you don't know, there's all sorts of things that can happen. And so a big challenge for, for us and for me in particular is to, to make sure that people know that we exist. If they're buying backcountry gear and then they're asking when they leave the shop, like, where do I go? One of those answers should be Bluebird because we're literally designed for that person who's asking that question. And we want to help facilitate like a fun experience and a learning experience that can move people through these progressive tracks of of, of expanding their knowledge set and, and then practicing that knowledge, um, even if they don't have a mentor. So, uh, we're, you know, I really wish I had had this when I was learning 20 years ago.
2: So let's say somebody's coming out to your resort. What would you like to see them bring with them? What do they need to bring in their packs?
0: Oh yeah. Great question. And we'll, we'll provide packing lists for folks when they, um, get their passes as well. But yeah, like, uh, if you, you know, obviously if you have touring equipment, bring that, whether it's a split board and skins or skis and skins, uh, if you have beacon shovel probe in a pack, bring that, but all that stuff we rent, right? Like the whole point is that we make it easy. If you don't have that equipment, or if you have suboptimal equipment, like come try on our brand new stuff, like you will have a better day. And, uh, and then obviously like you can bring a snack, but that's part of it too, is that we'll have food there for you. Bring water, right? If you forget your water, we'll have that there for you. So there's, um, a lot that we try to do to, uh, encourage people to be thinking ahead with their packing. But if they forget something, that's part of the advantage as
1: well, is that we are able to supplement whatever they've brought with whatever they need the way we always like to wrap these things up is we always like to ask three unusual questions (laughs) and these are going to be regarding you and your personal skiing experiences so the first question i want to ask you let's remove bluebird from the equation here we talk about last meals but i'm going to ask you about a last ski question what would be your last ski location resort backcountry where in particular like, where would I go if yeah. I only could do had...
0: one more day? Yeah, last ski. Oh, what a great question. <laughs> <laughs> Let me think for a minute. Okay. Uh, I know. I would um, I would ski Justice uh, at Soul Mountain Lodge in British Columbia. Um, I believe that's the name of the run. That was my favorite run there. I've been there a couple of times. That place is incredible. It's a little more of just a, a relaxed scene. There's a sauna there. You, like, helicopter in to the lodge, but then you tour. You don't heli-ski. And then you get helicoptered back out a week later. Um, and, yeah, probably the best run of my life were these just huge conifer trees, uh, s- perfectly spaced, you know, 30-degree slope that was endless, uh, and I can't think of anything better than just doing that over and over again.
2: Probably untracked deep powder.
1: Absolutely. Yep. Number two, what was your biggest fall you ever had while skiing? Well,
0: knock on wood, I never been in an avalanche, so that's good. Um, Oh, I think my biggest fall is that my buddy Chris took me on a very steep run where there's some mandatory cliff drops and I'm not really like, I love going fast, but I'm not much of someone who's any good in the air. That's true for skiing, for mountain biking and everything else. So, uh,
1: I'm sure I biffed it pretty good. Um, a few times on that run. And number three, a nice, easy one. What's your favorite post-ski drink? Oh, Coors Banquet. (laughs) Nice. That (laughs) one's easy. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to have Coors Banquet at the lodge? Oh, yeah.
0: You asked me about beer before. Yeah. Yeah, We we actually looked into getting a liquor license. I think with 200 guests, it becomes a challenge uh, for it to make any sense for us. And we have a million other logistical challenges um, going on, but... Um, That doesn't mean you can't like show up with your own cooler and do your thing. So uh, yeah, the bluebird vibe, the operas vibe will be strong and um, we're, you know, we're really, really excited about uh, being able to have camping. So we don't have hookups or anything, but we will allow people to stay overnight. And that's exciting because, you know, it's it's a long drive from the front range. A lot of our guests were from the front range, and this will allow them to kind of extend their stay and get a, like a full cultural experience. This multiple days, you know. So uh, that that's exciting, and um, f- exactly what we're doing with food is TBD. But we're we're gonna make sure that there's like some great ways to hang and kind of enjoy yourself and kick it around a, a fire pit kind of thing.
2: Yeah, i imagine there'd be a big fire pit down at the lodge there
0: for sure we had cornhole up
1: mid-mountain last year so yeah <laughs> we, we know how to have fun if we're making my way out there i'll bring the big log and have hammerschlag in there too
2: <laughs> <laughs> that sounds sounds like a blast
1: well eric want to say congratulations to you and jeff for getting this started this sounds fantastic uh we wish you guys the best of luck this year and uh maybe me and mary will just have to swing over there at some point to check it out yeah i'll be pretty disappointed if you don't so
2: definitely want to take some laps with you
1: well i live in salt lake city so it's not that far away i don't think no you can make it, you can make it. yeah <laughs> yeah i'd say so so all
0: right thank you so much and hopefully see you and a lot of other folks out on the mountain this winter likewise Take care, Eric.
1: Thanks so much for being on the show, Eric. We really appreciate it. And good luck to you all at Bluebird Backcountry. Now, you can learn more about Bluebird Backcountry by going to their website, bluebirdbackcountry.com. You can also follow them on Instagram, which is, you guessed it, at Bluebird Backcountry. Also, while you're on Instagram, don't forget to check out the Out and Back Podcast Instagram page that we recently launched, at Out and Back Podcast. And one more thing, don't forget to swing over to GaiaGPS.com slash podcast, G A I A GPS.com slash podcast, to snag that really sweet 50% discount on a Gaia GPS membership. All right, coming up in two weeks on our next episode, we're actually going to have two people on the show a guest and a guest host. Our guest host is going to be champion freestyle skier Sophia Schwartz and she's going to talk with us about how she transitioned from mogul competition to backcountry skiing and why the hell she did it and then together me and Sophia are going to be talking with our guest Sean McCoy of Gear Junkie which is an outdoor gear review website and together we're going to be talking with Sean about the type of backcountry gear that you might need to be able to go out and have a good backcountry skiing experience so if you're trying to figure out what type of gear you need for going out into the backcountry this winter going to make sure you want to tune into this episode with me Sophia and Sean also by the way Sean and Sophia ski on the same skiing boot. so if you want to know what boot they specifically love and which one you should be using make sure you tune in two weeks until next time this is Shanty along with Mary and we'll see you in two weeks on the Out and Back podcast presented by Gaia GPS take care everybody